This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where court, anybody who's into football or is giving parties, even if they're not into the sport itself at this time of year, Zupan's on their website, zupans.com, has a game day guide, shopping guide with a list of big game essentials. So that could be playoffs or the, we're not allowed to say it, big game. Um, big game. Yeah, the big game. So they have, uh, of course, their peanuts are fantastic. So they've got the salted and honey kissed. They've got queso mm-hmm. fundido with a recipe and also uh, all the ingredients there. Crispy hot chicken sliders. That sounds really good. Uh, ceviche. And let's see, a skewer tray, hot wings, chicken wings, and uh, and more and more and more for an excellent party or viewing experience. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, grilling is the thing to do when you're watching some football, make sure you swing by the uh, meat case because they've got some great stuff on sale now through the end of the month. Uh, maybe you want to grill up some Roxy chicken breasts. Those look delicious. Eight ninety nine a pound, boneless and skinless. Or the Double R Ranch Prime Ribeye Steaks. And Chris, here's something really interesting. I- I'm just putting this together as I read this. I was in San Francisco earlier this week and i met this woman who runs a great little bar restaurant there in uh, in san francisco called the brick house and come to find out her father-in-law runs the double r ranch in uh, washington state this is his beef oh fantastic yeah that's that's good beef. yeah he was the first rancher to uh, to breed the wagyu beef that we all know and love here in the united states i'm gonna go a step further and assume that this is okay to say my friend Craig, the owner and operator of Ringside, which has been around for a while, told me just last night how good Double R Ranch beef is. Wow. So uh, at, at Zupin's. So there you go. There's a that's a fine endorsement. Yeah. From the purveyor of fantastic steaks in Portland mm-hmm. yep. um, for Zupin's. So head there and check out their incredible. Um, meat department and uh their seafood department is great too so we know that yep and you can never go wrong if you you know happen to wander through the produce section because you they've got the uh, citrus on sale right now those sumo oranges are just gigantic and beautiful and belong on your table i will always remember when i first moved to california as a late teenager 20 19 20 years old discovering the joy of January when the citrus started appearing at the markets and it was the sweetest, most wonderful citrus. So I bet you there is uh, some, there are some gold to be had outside of the Sumo uh, products uh, in other oranges at Zupan's. For sure. Three locations to serve you. you got West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. We also recommend people go where? Zupan's.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It is right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Thanks for doing the intros there, Court. It's good to uh, be chatting with you. It looks like you were just down in the Bay Area. I was. It was a a little day visit. was there for uh, just overnight 
and uh, made my made my way home last night. Oh, good. Did you you asked me about my cousin's restaurant, Coal Valley Tavern? But I don't think you got there because you would have mentioned it. Yeah, I was tr- I was doing some research, um, was meeting up with a friend, and uh, we were in a certain part of town. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We should see how close we are to Chris's cousin. And we were complete opposite side of the city. So we, we did not make our way oh. there, but uh, maybe in the future. Yeah, it's a really cool neighborhood spot. I just I think you just I think I forget because I've I've been to San Francisco a couple of times, but when I was younger. And so, you know, I don't have a huge memory of it, but I just forget how big of a city that is yeah but on the other hand it's not that big it doesn't come in in the top 10 in the in u.s cities i think it's in the second uh 10 yeah well um, it's, i it's, think it's smart well the the metro area is gigantic I, I i always approach things from the media side and on the radio side of things chris it's market number four so it's gigantic well that must include san jose because that's it does uh, it does san, san jose, jose Oakland, is a larger yeah, market yeah. than san francisco yep. I, I've heard. So yeah. at any rate, welcome back and welcome to uh we've got a, we not that we're doing weather reports anymore, but it's after many, many, many gloomy days. Um and we've got sun here right now. So I'm sending it your way. Everybody in Portland is listening. Uh this will have passed. This was yesterday, Thursday, <laughs> but hopefully it'll stick with you for a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm down for these little breaks. I mean, obviously it's it's the time of year where it's typically rainy and gloomy so these little sun breaks that we are getting i'm i'm getting a bit of one here in the interior you're out on the coast but it's but it's nice well it's nice you know i was talking about it last night i think this has been a particularly gloomy year winter this year the last one i remember was when i first moved here in 2006 there were 40 straight days of rain and gloom so that was the first one and i still wanted to stay but at any rate we're getting through the winter it's always a good idea to plan a trip somewhere. Yep. And uh, and I'm just looking forward to uh, a trip in April to Spain again. And that's always something. You, if you have something to look forward to, it helps get through the season. So, um, so that is great. Uh, speaking of something to look forward to, we have this podcast with Lisa Schroeder again. This would be her fourth appearance on right at the fork in our nine year nine plus year history now and uh we're having lisa on because i saw her post a problem with her bank which if you listen to this podcast and you get probably two-thirds of the way through we get to that problem and if you add that to the litany of things that restaurants and specifically mother's bistro downtown has had to endure since the pandemic started you just think man at least you think you could count on your banker but you can't so um right anyway and this you know this is straight from lisa's experience she's talked about it it actually appeared on kgw yesterday or last night on wednesday night or even this morning i don't know so we talk about it a little more specifically but also where we talk about some of the challenges that Lisa and Mothers has endured since the pandemic started. So I'm just going to make a suggestion here. So I also had a recent conversation with Greg Higgins, who and these two have been around in our Portland market forever, and we're very glad they're still with us and operating restaurants in downtown Portland. I'm going to make a suggestion to everybody, that, and they need this, 
if you're planning on going out to eat, that's great. Support the Portland, you know, Portland restaurants, but make it a point to every, at least every once in a while or all the time, visit some restaurants downtown because they need it. They're not doing as well as those perhaps in Northwest and uh, North uh, East and Southeast. The downtown restaurants need a little help. So uh, just as you're going out and you may not know where to go, just say, hey, let's look at Mother's or Higgins or um, some of the other spots downtown. There are a lot of them. And uh, make a point of visiting them. I think we need to support our Portland food world. We all love it. And that is probably one of the best things we can do right now. Correct? Absolutely. And, and I don't I, I can't remember Chris, if you if you mentioned this just a second ago, but like this is that time of year where everything just slows down. So if there's if there's a time to be eating out, it's right now. Right. And, you know, it's a good time to eat out. Get out of the house. Go do something. So yep. at any rate, I just make that suggestion as a as something we can do to help in a positive way. And, you know, I'm mindful of the fact that in this podcast, I make a couple of comments about myself not liking to park downtown with my dog in the car anymore doesn't mean i won't go downtown without my dog in the car but uh just something to keep in mind and i guess um you know that's a little bit of reality but on the other hand maybe i don't need to be pointing those things out um but uh i think you know we'll get to the other side of this at some point but we're not there yet you know they're not uh govern the city government um, needs to do something, and we're going to hear Lisa talk about her optimism with our state government now, with Tina Kotek. And this is not a political program. This is Lisa Schroeder operating a business and looking for help and support from not only consumers, but also um, business leaders and government entities. So, um, so it's always good to have Lisa on. She is fantastic. I mentioned. Her energy level, um, you know, I kind of hint at asking her if there's ever a point where she says she does, she just wants to not do this. She's not there. She definitely wants to leave mothers in good hands someday, but she's not there yet. But she's still persevering every day, going through some challenges to make um, her restaurant sustainable and um, help it to thrive going on but i always enjoy lisa it's easy to ask her to come on the podcast because she is um she's well spoken she's an advocate for everything that goes on in portland and she's great at what she does in fact i think he's i see her more well i guess i see the facebook links but she's on the tv stations quite a bit doing either recipes or talking about what's going on in Portland in the food world. So here's our interview with Lisa on the state of Mother's Bistro and the state of the industry in January 2023. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, local and family-owned for over 40 years. 
Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. Lisa! We have Lisa Schroeder here with us, and it's always a pleasure. And you look fantastic, which, you know, that's great. You you obviously aren't coming to us from the kitchen. You'd be you'd have fla- <laughs> you'd have flour all over your uh... true that. Yes, now with COVID, I'm working less. Uh, since COVID, not with COVID, but since COVID, I'm working less. Since COVID started, it's very hard yes. to refer to it now. We can't say it's over with yet. Nope, it nope. is definitely not over with it with the in the restaurant biz. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because, um, you know, everything's kind of intertwined here. And the COVID, along with what's, you're right in the heart of downtown Portland with Mother's Bistro. You're right in the heart of a family. And of course, throughout COVID, you didn't have a kitchen at home. So that was just nuts. And so I just, I guess I want to lead with, um, you know, you're not 30 anymore somewhere, you know, you're not necessarily close to that. What keeps you going? You have so much energy that I just, I just watch and think, how does she do that? Uh, well, Chris, you know, it's basically, I have to, I have to, as you know, I'm raising twin 10 year olds right. and, uh, still running mothers. Um, Thankfully, I have a lot of managers, but I still do the social media for the restaurant. I don't pay anybody to do that. All those TikToks I've been doing, it's me doing it, not some dweeb chopping up that my mise en place, you know. It's me and a friend uh, cluzing it together. And, uh, I, and I commend you for it, too, by the way. I did make a comment to you that, holy shit. There you are taking on TikTok now on top of everything else that you <laughs> well, have Well, you know, on. it's such a tough business. I mean, you haven't asked me how things are, but I'll tell you how things are. They suck. I will. Well, we're uh, going to get to that. <laughs> well, That's and it's just so, point. you know, we, we have to do what we have to do to get some interest or get some business. And, you know, it's not putting an ad out in, in the local paper that's going to bring people in. Yeah, well, that that was a long time ago, an ad in the local paper. And then it became, Insta- well, it went from other things, Instagram or whatever you were going to do. But uh, now, no. And then you've got the added burden of getting people downtown where, let's face it, a lot of people don't want to go now. Yes, it's it's it seems pretty hopeless. So... Give, that's why I asked the question, because I've seen you communicate that it's pretty hopeless on your Facebook posts. And so that's why I said what keeps what what keeps me going is that I have 65 mouths to feed at my restaurant. 
I have 65 employees. I have my kids to feed and raise. My husband, who's retired. I mean, I've got to... I got to keep this thing going. I don't have a choice. What's the choice? I I don't know. So, <laughs> I, you know, I don't I don't want to be too intrusive and ask you, you know, do you have the choice to retire? And I, I, let's assume that you don't because anybody in their right mind who had all this stuff going on might say, okay, well, if I don't have to do this, I won't. So I am not at the point where I can just say, I'm done. I, I, you know, many, I understand many older people did that with COVID. That's why a lot of people left the workforce. That was not a luxury for me. And honestly, I doubled down when I moved my location. I basically said, not only do I believe in mothers, I believe in it so much. I'm going to take all the savings I have and plunk down to move so that we'll continue to be vital for the next 20 years. And of course, that was <laughs> a crazy uh, thing to do, given what ended up happening. But I... What, what year was that? Was that 18? I, 2018, that? I made the decision and started the process. 2019, January 2019, we moved. We had an amazing year in 2019. And then, of course, it all came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Well, you couldn't predict. Now, I guess question would be if you could foresee that coming would you have made that move no yeah no the whole point of mothers was uh, moving was i felt bad for people who had to couldn't even get in the front door i felt bad keep keeping people waiting i wanted to cut down the weight i felt bad for my kitchen staff who had to work in what was once a vault my dish pit was in a vault you know a, a it was just terrible working conditions, and I really wanted to improve all that. I didn't need to move. I had eight years left on my lease. I didn't need to make the change. I just felt that um, it was the right thing to do for the future of mothers, and I didn't. Well, I don't want mothers to die with me. I wanted to carry on. I think it's a concept that deserves to exist, and I hope it'll live on beyond me. And it's part of the... Uh you know, the Portland landscape, and it has been for a long time. I mean, my first, you and I have spoken about this on your previous visits uh, to the podcast, but my first visit, well, actually, when I came to Portland and bought a house, we celebrated with breakfast at Mother's Bistro, and uh, so that was 2004. Oh, no, 2005. Uh, But I had discovered Mother's a year earlier when I was staying at the then the Fifth Avenue Suites, and I asked the concierge where I should go to eat. And Mother's was the most appealing of the three that he gave me. It sounded the coolest, and it was kind of close, too. So, right. um, so, yeah, you've been... And how much longer before... When did you open the restaurant? Mother's, 23 years ago, Mother's opened January 2000. 2000. January 23 2000. 23 years old. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a long, long time. Yes, it so, is. Good for you, and uh, and you've sustained. So now you're saying it's it's. I don't. What was the word you just used? Impossible, or I don't. Uh, it's 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 all very difficult. Um, I I have exclaimed on Facebook. You know, looking at the numbers and seeing how we are and how things are and the costs. It's not sustainable. And, you know, we all saw that Noma announced that uh, Reni Retzepi announced he's closing Noma in 2024 because the model of fine dining is no longer sustainable. Now, imagine he had 20 to 30 
interns working for free. Okay, and you know, imagine when you if you pay people top dollar and benefits and everything, it's very hard to um, to keep it going. And uh, with rising prices, I mean, all of a sudden now people are aware that eggs are costing a fortune. Well, eggs are the sustenance of my business. We are all about eggs, thousands of eggs. That's so the imagine- last thing you needed was that. Uh, exactly. Uh, after so everything else. Right. I mean, so talk about rising costs. All of a sudden now it's newsworthy and on OPB. Well, how much are eggs now compared to for Sigma, you? They used to be $29. They used to be $29 a case. Now they're $69 a case. Holy shit. That's uh, yeah. that, by my math that's more than a 100% increase. Yeah. And, and how many come in a case? 180. 180 to a case. Wow. And, and on so on, on top of that, that chicken has gotten everything. ridiculous. Everything. So we are totally feeling the crunch. And so high pay, high costs. How do you stay in business? I mean, it's not like it isn't sustainable. I don't know what the answer is, but it's not sustainable. I raise, you know, I will people pay $45 for a pot roast. That's really what they should be paying to cover the costs of everything that goes into making the pot roast. You know, it's interesting because I remember hearing that 10 years ago, that we're not paying enough for our, our, the food we're getting at restaurants. And if, it, if that was the case 10 years ago, I don't know if the number was $45 for pot roast, but it was, it was I remember eye-opening to hear restaurant owners and chefs say this is what it should cost. And now it's even higher. How can that work? Because uh, I think, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but you know, we have an income disparity in this country. And of course, some people can afford $45 for pot roast, but they're still going to bitch about paying it. Um, and then other people, you know, I found myself, I, I am not going out as much as I used to. I just can't afford it. Chris, so many things have changed since covid so many things that affect my business and many restaurants. I mean, the first thing, people are going out less. It's just, a fa- I go out less. I don't, honestly, I don't care about trying the next new restaurant. I could barely get out of the house. It's so freezing cold and it's raining and meh, meh, meh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, so I'm going out less. People are going out less, ordering in more. Well, if you're ordering in more, what are you going to order? Are you going to order something you can make at home, like meatloaf or chicken and dumplings? Or are you going to order something exotic that you can't make, like Indian food or Thai? Not to say you can't make it, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm making a supposition here. So that's changed. So people don't want to go out. People are ordering in more. Nobody is going to offices. The offices are nearly that's, vacant downtown. That's the killer so, for you, right? That's it the- is totally the killer for me. It was my breakfast and my lunch business, the mainstay of my business. We weren't mainly a dinner house. We were mainly a breakfast. People knew us mainly for breakfast and lunch. So people aren't coming for breakfast meetings. People aren't coming for lunch meetings. People aren't coming for coffee or pastries or happy hour. There's... There's nobody downtown from, from that perspective. Office workers from the city aren't even back yet. They're coming back part-time in April. So they're not even, city workers aren't even setting an example for the rest of 
the city. So, okay, so less city workers. Now, what? let's see what else. Okay, so and rising costs and rising, you know, taking care of my staff, you know, the way to keep people and to not have an, a, well, uh, an employee shortage is to pay your people. So I pay. And because I would much rather keep somebody than have to train someone else. I love my people. So I'll do what I can to keep them. And, um, but all that, it just doesn't all add up to a profitable business. Now, what some restaurants are doing, which I'm not going there, is they cut people and they either use robots or counter service. Mm. And that's not who we are. That's not what I am. That's not I am a mother's all... bistro. You no. are the, the are a pit, you are the epitome of the exact opposite of that. Ex- I mean, I'll, I'll freaking spoon feed you if you need it. I'll right. cut your steak for you. I used to have a woman who, <laughs> may she rest in peace. Uh, she used to order her, t- her roast chicken disjointed. Can you take it? Can you cut it up for me? And we happily did. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's not... I, I can see that. But on top of that, one other thing that you didn't mention, and I feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't mention it, but it's crime down in that area. I don't want to park my car anymore down there. You know what? And it's not the crime. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the drugs. Right. It's it's not the homeless. It's not the crime. It's the meth and fentanyl, primarily that, that is leading to brazen behavior outlandish crimes that nobody would under normal conditions would do right and this entire city is suffering because of it and i met with the police captain of downtown and i said you know this is terrible my restaurant is in the next you know we're right next to voodoo donuts it's the nexus of tourism and it is the supermarket of meth and fentanyl in downtown portland i said to the cop the captain, can't you do something? I mean, everybody who comes to Portland comes right there. This is right. what they see. And he said, oh, well, since measure 110, our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do. And, you know, as you know, that measure passed, but with also giving funds for treatment. The problem is they gave the rights, so, uh, you know, they decriminalized the drugs, but didn't have the treatment set up. That money took years to get together. So we have this imbalance that happened and Portland became a hub for people. What you see downtown are not homeless Oregonians. What you see are meth and fentanyl users coming from all over because they can get it and they can enjoy it and do whatever they want and not have consequences. Um, also, I mean, you know, don't get me started, but I really feel like the police have been on strike. I feel like since 2020, they're there. We're in a passive aggressive relationship with our police in downtown Portland, with the whole city. And they're basically our hands are tied as citizens. They'll do nothing for us. And every time it's they throw up their arms. Oh, we don't have money. We don't have funding. We don't have people. I've. I had a woman throw a skateboard at one of my guests' um, windows on, on the street on her car. I tracked the bike police biker down. He wasn't doing anything. And all he said was, sorry, I can't do anything. I only can deal with personal crimes, not property crimes. 
That is unbelievable that the city has said, all right, bullshit. At some point, we have to, for, maybe not for mothers, maybe not for voodoo donuts, but for the city and for the people of the city. Yeah, yes, and for mothers and for voodoo donuts. Well, I, I, it's not just about me. I know. It's, it's for the whole city. We need to get this drug situation under control. Every time you see an abandoned RV, you see tents around it. You know why? because that's the dealer the rv is the dealer and he buys the tents for his users and he keeps them close this is what we see little little conglomerations of dealers and users that is what is in our city and i feel terrible for the homeless who are truly homeless who need our empathy and our care and in you know it reflects badly because everybody puts the, everybody into one category and there are many different categories of people without homes and they shouldn't be vilified. And sadly, because of the drug dealers and the users who were misbehaving, other people get put in that category. Well, I... Listen, I'm not very involved in any politics. I follow it, but I can't believe that something as important as what you're talking about goes to a vote as opposed to the people who get voted in saying, we got to handle this. This has to be done. So uh, it's a really sad situation. So do you, you know, I had Jeff Latham on uh, the podcast, um, oh, two months ago, and that was... uh, that was because of what had happened in front of Salt, you know, where he is in front of Salt and Straw. And a lot of it came from that same situation you're talking about, an RV that was set on fire, that put everything in motion. And, he, and, and, and uh, Kimberly Malik of Salt and Straw got a little attention at the time. But where has that gone? Has that gone anywhere since? You would be aware of that. She got a lot of negative attention. Yeah, she got that too, but she did get the attention of the brass in Portland, I think. I, I, um, gosh, I hate to sound so hopeless, Chris, <laughs> but I feel pretty hopeless. I feel that, um, we're in a crisis and I'm not optimistic that we're going to come out of this um, easily. I really am very optimistic having Tina Kotek as our governor because what I know now is that uh, Wheeler and Brown never spoke. I found out late in the game that they never spoke. She had a grudge against him. And she can't, if the governor and the mayor of the <laughs> are not working together, the city is not going to be yeah. successful. So I think that uh, Tina Kotek is going to grab this bull by its horns and try to get a handle on this situation. And so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope that we're going to start to see some things happening now. Yeah, might release gonna, the floodgates a little. It's going to take a while. And I, I recall, I was just watching, have you ever, I'm sh- guessing you might have, the documentary by Rick Burns uh, on New York. Um, it's excellent, by the way. It's a 10, uh, I think it's, yeah, seven or 10 parts. I just watched it. And that same thing you're talking about, that same dynamic where the governor and the mayor couldn't get together happened back in the 70s and look at New York in the 70s. Similar thing. It wasn't the same type of crime, but it was similar where it was hopeless for a lot of people. And, uh, and here we are 50 years later. 
Sorry, I have to look up and do that math. Yeah. Uh, 50 years later in a different city, smaller city, not as much to tackle. And it's not handle. It's not happening. You, it's it's no surprise that some restaurants have picked up and gone out to Beaverton and to Lake Oswego. That only, hasn't worked for many. I know. Only to find out that they can't get the labor out there. I suppose that's what it seems like. One of the problems is, um, but that's not an answer either. So there, there are. There are. You know that that's a big. That was a big part of. Any city, you know, is restaurants and, and uh, the hospitality industry makes up a huge portion of the economy, especially in Portland, Portland when it goes beyond dollars and cents to PR and image and tourism, like nobody's business. Portland had it going in 2016, 17, and 18, and it's, it's not there. So, so when you say... It feels hopeless, but you're still going. And what do you, what, where do you see it going? Like in a year or two for you? Well, I see taking pay a pay cut. I see trying to figure out, you know, together with my staff where we can, you know, make how we can do things so that we can figure out how to get profitable. You know, I mean, I, I did the math and I spent. Uh, a comp to employee meals was my biggest comp meals um, last year, you know, buying food for the staff. And uh, so we have to figure out, you know, is it doing family meal instead of letting everybody order what they want to order or, you know, or is it uh, raising my prices on food and trying to, you know, I'm trying to negotiate with my landlord who has asked me to open now seven nights a week. I'm open now seven nights uh, I'm in a hotel, and this is one of the things a hotel wants to see, so they have a place for their guests to eat. Well, I'm totally doing it out of the requirements of my lease, but it's definitely not worth it for me to do it. So trying to negotiate some costs here and there and see if we can figure out a way to make it through all this. How about um, has the uh, vacancy rate at the hotel – has that? Uh, what kind of numbers are they seeing? Is that picking up to the anything close to what it needs to be? It goes up and down like a roller coaster. You can be almost full one weekend and have 20% the next day. I mean, it is volatile. It's all volatile. And, and revenue-wise, approximately, where are you percentage-wise versus where you um, were? I'm t- a third. A third of my sales of what I did in 2019. Oh, my God. A third. That is crazy. And you were, you know, everybody was having a challenge back before the pandemic, just figuring out how to deal with labor costs. And and now to go to chop it. And, and you can deal with if you have volume, you could kind of make up for it. You know, the you keep the engine going and the train going, you can make up for it here and there. And I think one of the reasons why we saw a lot of restaurants close is because they're living from paycheck to paycheck, right? It's mm-hmm. so many were depending upon that week's sales to make the next week's payroll. Thankfully, we're not in that spot. But you know, it's, it's tight. And uh, the only thing that really got us through this is we got Restaurant Revitalization Act money. We had the good fortune of getting that money, and uh, that saved us. And but you know, can only carry us but so long. 
And didn't weren't there a lot of hoops that you had to jump through to to use that money? Not not well. You have to use it. all that money by March twenty twenty three. But we're already You're we're already it. tracking. I mean, it takes a, a, so much to stay open. So yes, that money easily spent. And is there any hope that uh, more will be coming into the into oh, the? No, no that's no it. more free money. They'll bail out banks. They'll bail out airlines. They'll bail out Morgan Stanley, but they won't bail out. It was look how hard it was to get them to help hospitality. Well, that's primarily because that's a lot of small voices versus the clout and the lobbyists in in Washington. But now that you mentioned banks, um, <laughs> I want to segue. Yeah, well, you provided it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I just did the job of identifying it. So, um, so. I, I'll let you explain it, but so here's the thing. In the climate that you're talking about, where you need all the resources you can, including your employees, uh, customers, uh, the, the city government, your hotel part, you know, your hotel, everybody has to be part of this. And then you have the close, like your lifeline, the heart of your business is your bank. Right. That's you need them to be playing ball. Now, we all know that banks aren't the most beautiful people in the world, but you expect them at least to be close after to human. 20 years. And right. after so much thousands upon thousands of dollars going through, you'd think there'd be a little courtesy. Yeah, just As, yeah, one would think. But I going into this, I will just tell you, I had life changing experiences with Wells Fargo a few years ago where I sat there, you know, when I was trying to get a home modification in 2009 uh, and realized, wow, this is the way they were doing business and the way after they took the money, by the way, they took our money uh, and the hoops that they not only hoops, they were hoops on fire that were there was no space through them to jump through. Uh, I, I, first time in my life I came to the conclusion that man this corruption that you can see about in that New York documentary right that's been going on for years and years and years I never really felt but it's corrupt that they're able to do business the way they do now explain what happened with you in that one bank that follows the JPM uh, <laughs> moniker. Yeah, that one. Oh, I've been dealing with the same bank for so many years, have all my personal accounts there, have my business accounts there, have a savings account there. And um, somebody somehow wrote, created checks with my bank account number, but their name on the checks routed to the same bank. They, her name was Lenora Rodriguez, went with these checks, wrote the checks to Winco and Fred Meyer, bought whatever they bought with them. It went to my bank and they got through the bank and appeared in my bank statements a month later. So we get our bank, the, the checks are written early August. We get our bank statement mid-September, eh? My Bookkeeper looks at the bank statements to reconcile our books at the end of September and calls the bank immediately and says, hey, we found three checks here that don't even say Mother's Bistro on them. It says Leonora Rodriguez with somebody else's signature. They said, oh, 
Well, you know what? Since those checks were written more than 30 days ago, sorry, we can't reimburse you. That is said, what that, are you talking isn't about? Isn't that the idea behind checks and all that, sh- all the safety things on them? No, because no. So we, my, my, our, we, our bookkeeper was supposed to open up that bank statement the minute we got it, and immediately turn to all the pages of the checks and immediately identify fraudulent checks. That's what I, as they're saying we should have done. What does anyway, immediate mean? Like that minute? Like the yeah. Minute so two weeks later was too late, and they refused to give me oh back my, my eight hundred and seventeen dollars. And I try. I called the bank. We called fraud. The fraud department said I had to handle it. We called our banker. He said he was going to look into it. Couldn't do it. Um, f- called the fraud department again. I went on Twitter. I tweeted them. They said, call this number again. We're declined. So over and over again, they chose to just not reimburse me that $817 that they let go through. Like, what's the point of signing? You know, how you have to sign cards. Right. That doesn't matter. What's the point of having checks printed with your business name? That didn't I, matter. When I deposit a business, uh, a check that's written to me on my business, my bank, which is not the same as yours, it's not Chase, this is U.S. Bank, they'll sometimes hold it a week before, because it's got to clear and go through the right protocols. So I don't understand how your bank could let that through and then not make good at it. I don't care if it's three months later. It, 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 where is That's it written the, in your agreement that you have to reconcile within a week? Of they, uh, that's what they say. Business accounts have to do it within 30 days of the check being written. Not yeah. the statement. Right. The check was written August 6th. We told them September 30th, but we didn't get our statement till September 10th. Wow. So... Uh, yeah, it's going to be on the news today. I, I kind of bitched about it on Facebook, and now KGW is going to do something about it. Yeah, well, hopefully that'll get somewhere. Well, but it, it may not get a, a big bank to budge. It just may it not. It may not, but I've, uh, I also got some comments from some lawyers that recommended, told me where I can make a complaint. And I know time is money, and that's why so many people give up at a certain point. But I feel that this is, I feel it's wrong, and I got to fight for it. I agree with you. That's that was my first thought when I went through trying to get a um, a modification on my loan years ago. And I, I the, my first thought, not my first, but along the way, which took a year for them to come back to me and say, "Okay, we'll give you three months uh, hiatus on paying your mortgage, but on the ninety first day, if it's not paid, we are we can." Um, claim your house on the 91st day. And I said, I don't need you to do that. I cannot pay and then get a year before I got to get out of here. But the point is, I was thinking along the way, how does anybody who works nine to five, who can't get on the phone to these people to wait two or three hours to then be told, get, make an agreement where they say they'll do something, but then they won't give you their name and they won't send you any confirmation that it's going to happen. That was my gripe. And it's just unbelievable. Things shouldn't operate that way. But what about the banking commission? Did you Have you contacted the banking commission? Um, yeah, I got some names of people I'm supposed to file with. So I'm just going to take care of that and try to file some complaints here and there. But and hopefully for, something for, will come of it. And you know what? You're right. At some point, the $817 becomes something you'll just say, okay... 
<laughs> it's I'm pissed off as hell, but I don't have time. Well, I'm already now. changing banks. You know how much time that's going to take. I already. Oh my god! Uh, you For know, all make, those tomorrow accounts? morning I'm going to spend. Already had one meeting. Have another meeting. You know, it's a big deal. And then all the automatic withdrawals we have to set up. It's it's a big deal to change banks, but they will not have a dime of mine uh, if I can help it at this point. I understand that, Lisa. It's just one thing after the other, and. Um, uh, what else is coming? That's the thing. This is not just finite in that insofar as what we've talked about today is the end of it. It's like with, you know, from and you're a vocal person. So not everybody is going out there and saying this is what it looks like. But I'll tell you what, I've seen it over years in Portland with all my friends, businesses and cars, windows smashed daily. Just shit happening all the time. And it's just not right. It's reminiscent of another time or a, a futuristic sci-fi movie. Yeah, I've had my car broken into it. I lived in New York City. And so uh, nine times counting my my and you know, I'm so dumb. And I would continue to leave things in my car. Now I don't do it anymore. I finally, after the ninth time, it wasn't all done here in Portland, mainly in New York. But uh, yeah, windows get smashed in New York a lot. And now we're just following along. I won't leave my, uh, for years, I would drive into Portland and leave my pooch in the car while I go did, went and did whatever I wanted to do. Eat, shop, meet, you know, business, whatever. For hours, I will not leave my dog in the car any longer. And it's, it's just a, it's a sad state of affairs. Not that yeah. that's a great thing, because I'm sure there are people who, are gonna, who think that I left them in in 120 degree weather. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't. Well, I'm a res- I love my doggy. I'm not going to put him I in know. peril, but that's exactly why I'm not leaving him in the car any longer, because I just don't feel... All that time I took it for granted. Um, was rough. And even my catalytic converter, I have to say, I squeamishly walk out of restaurants now towards my car and just, and then turn it on and hope I'm not going to hear that. That's all. So I was going to the airport and our friend lives right near the airport. I was going to park my car there and I said, nope, I'll just leave it at home and Uber. Like, it, it's not worth taking a chance. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Right. For over, it says on their website, over 78 years. I'm thinking we're getting close to 80. It might be over 79 years for Ringside Steakhouse. There are very few restaurants. I can only think of a couple in Portland that can claim that banner, having been here through thick and thin for many years ringside is of course a um a hallmark when it comes for occasions business meetings or even uh if you're just looking for great service and a great night out it's ringside and of course you can't go wrong on monday nights with their three course prime rib dinner um that includes obviously uh the best prime rib in town and also of course you get uh you know, other things that go along with it, which includes that creme brulee for dessert. Right. And I think their Yorkshire pudding, which is fantastic as well. Oh, yeah. I'm going to suggest that if anybody hasn't had enjoyed Wagyu steak, they check out Ringside and look at their offerings there. Um, yes, it's a premium experience, but it's well worth it 
If you're a steak lover and want to try something out of the ordinary, Ringside does uh, a fantastic job sourcing their Wagyu beef from Japan. And speaking of out, Chris, we should point out that uh, maybe one of the great things that might have come from the pandemic is that takeout is still available at Ringside Steakhouse, something that wasn't available before the pandemic. Right. You can order it up to an hour ahead of time, up until 9 p.m. You just uh, go to the Ringside's website, order a fantastic meal to enjoy at home. It'll be better than whatever you have planned, and pick it up an hour later. And on the website, Chris, we should also point out that's where you can make reservations or make those reservations through the Open Table app. Listen... You, I know you've taken some vacations. Do you have any? Is there something positive we can talk about? We can talk about that because one of the things I realized is, you know what? Since I have to pay my people, I might as well take the time off. You know, I need to keep people employed, so I'll give myself some time and and enjoy the slow period, which is what we're going through now. So I took my grand twins to Hawaii. My granddaughter lives on Oahu, and uh, we took them to see her and to also check out Kona. And sadly, um, we got stuck there because of the bad weather in Portland, and poor us had to stay an extra three days in Hawaii. Woe was us. (laughs) No, it was a great thing. I I think you planned it, Lisa. Uh, it was a great thing. And we, we had the foresight. Once they postponed our flight by an hour, I said, Rob, the handwriting's on the raw wall. Let's let's try to move our flight to after the weekend because the weather's going to be bad. And we did. And thank God we did because once they canceled it, nobody could get a flight out the next week. So we it worked out for us for the better. So that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, you try to get away and now... You know, you talk about the banks. Well, the airlines aren't so friendly these days either. So, well, they were. They and in the in the next when we got the text saying that our flight was delayed, they said you can change your flight without penalty. Well, so that, we in said, that okay. regard, in that regard, I have to say they've gotten better. That you can book. I just booked a flight to uh, Europe with, and uh, you could change it in a certain period of time. But for two hundred bucks, it's all refundable. I thought that was a good investment. Not that I need to refund it, but just some for two hundred dollars. It's worth mind. well to be able to say I can change it now for two hundred dollar penalty. That's really what I was thinking. I'm gonna go, but um, but at any rate, that's uh, that's rough. So, uh, how does the restaurant run when you're away? I would think. Uh. You, I have a, such, I have an amazing general manager, amazing managers, and a great chef de cuisine, great people who've been with me for so many years. So, you know, yeah, like today I came in and caught something that shouldn't have been, but for the most part, uh, they're on it. And, uh, and I trust, and I have to trust. And that's, that is just the way it's got to be because otherwise I'll have no life. So I figure my one, the way I'm getting through this is I'm giving myself time, which I never gave myself time. Mm-hmm. All these years I've worked the line and doing all that. And now I'm just saying, all right, I got to pay for the labor. I'm going to take some time. There's a blessing in disguise. If yes. That's what it took. Because yes. I've, I've been someone who has always encouraged anybody, not even in the in- restaurant industry, st- stop with the sp- constant running around like you're on a treadmill. Stop. Breathe. Um, you know, this is a new thing in this 
society where being busy is a badge of honor. And I think it's the opposite. And now since COVID, I think that's changing. I think that a lot of people are have really learned. Well, uh, two of my sous chefs came to me after you know COVID said, look, we really only want to work four days. So I, I mean, I understand, I empathize. I only want to work four days. So <laughs> we worked around the schedule. And because that's one of the things that many, one of the learnings so much that people want out of a job is flexible time. If there's one, you know, that's one benefit besides the pay, besides the health benefits, flexibility is super important. And so I absolutely honored it, A, because I understand it, and B, because we had enough staff where we could do it. And, and it, uh, isn't it difficult to manage, though, that if you're, it's one thing to have schedules, and it's another thing to manage all this flexibility. Now, does that yes. mean that someone can call in the day before and say, listen, or the day of? I'm not coming in today and you're okay with that? You know what? We'd rather that they didn't do that, but we had a, I mean, we have that all the time with our dishwashers. You know, one day there's one guy, one day, and thank God people have rallied for us. Oh, people, you know, we'll go in desperation. Oh, this guy's not coming in today. Can you come? Can you stay? And thankfully people have really rallied to to work when others haven't shown, but we had a lot of that happen. We've had a lot of that happen, but you know what? If somebody has the foresight to ask for time off, we have that built in our system request a day and we you know grant it we don't schedule them on we get it covered we're happy to do that yeah just don't leave us with our pants down that's all but yeah. you know that happens too what are, do you uh long for the days when your biggest i don't know if they ever, ever existed but your biggest challenge might have been to get creative with your menu oh man uh <laughs> You know, my days of hustling, those were, it was really hard to always be hustling and think about the next thing and what's okay, what can we do? And, you know, I'm still now I'm, I'm hustling that, you know, like, as I said, with the TikTok videos and ditch this and make the switch, you know, I'm just trying to show that there are other aspects of what mothers does and the things you can do. And I want people to learn how to cook for themselves. So just putting myself out there is a little way to say, hey, mothers are still here. Remember us. Hey, come visit. You know, well, also, I think it's uh, it's interesting that we've gone away from thick cookbooks to two minute TikTok videos. And well, that's, that's how people are learning how to cook. Well, and one of the, and what I learned is that's right. People, A, want something fast. They want to, they want their videos fast. Nobody's going to watch a video more than two minutes. I learned that. And B, I hate the fact that when there, some people put recipes up and you watch them throw oil into a pan, throw the eggs in, throw this in, and they don't tell you how many. And oh, go to this link. I hate that. Whereas at least I say, this is how much you put in. That was one thing I was adamant because my friend who I'm working with, he was, oh, do we really have to write that to it? Yes. I want people to know how much while I'm doing it so that they can follow along. So um, yes, I've learned they have to be 60 seconds. You got something is very complex. I have to figure out how to do it in so few steps so that I can fit it into 60 seconds. 
Yeah, it's one of the reasons I got out of advertising is I just couldn't stand the idea of everything had been chopped up and 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 return on investment had to be identified that day. That just killed me. And yeah, so, no, there's and I have no. I, I'm probably spending all this time and energy for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm putting it out into the universe and just hoping. Well, you know, maybe this, maybe one. And I think I've gotten one or two guests at the restaurant because they happened upon the TikTok. So mm-hmm. it's whatever you can do, however you can bring them in. I'm just hustling, you know, I'm hustling. I wish I could, like you said, I wish I could spend my time figuring out what's new and to create in the kitchen. Whereas I have to spend my time hustling and getting people into the restaurant so that we can make something in the kitchen. And I, and I, I think it's great. Well, I don't know if it's great, but it's interesting that you're producing those yourself because uh, that's just more that it does. You can't just whip that together, right? How nope. long does it take you to do a video from concept to actual completion and all, well, the, we all, all like, the fucking tagging that you have to do on it? Uh, too. Uh, <laughs> believe me, um, it takes a lot. And thankfully, A, I'm using recipes from my cookbook, so I don't have to sit there and and write down the recipe. It's already written. So now I just have to figure out how to, what am I going to, how few steps can I do with this? How few words can I say? Whereas my proclivity is to talk you through everything. (laughs) I want to tell you everything and why you're doing this. Um, But I know that isn't what the world wants. So I leave that, uh, that's in my cookbook. Some of the world does because some people are still buying books and some people can watch a video for more than a minute. Well, I linked it to, I do have on my, now on Mother's Bistro's website, I have a column that says media and you can just go to that and all the TikToks and all the recipes are right there. So people don't have to memorize what I did, but at least it's right there on the videos so they can see the quantities and stuff. But yeah, I have to, I do it all. I figure out what we're going to shoot in a day. How many can we get done? Uh, My friend, Stephen Cassell uh, does the videoing and uh, you know, he'll, yeah. So he's learning. We're learning as we go. Neither one of us, he's not a videographer and I'm not a producer, but we're and just, then it'll all we're change. just doing it. The, the, you learn, you learn what you learn and then they're going to change the algorithm. Exactly. And, and it won't be TikTok anymore. It'll be something else. So, well, you know uh, what I learned about TikTok, which is the reason why I decided to do this, which was shocking to me is that there's no real authority doing things and teaching things like if you want to know how to make an omelet you have some dweeb from illinois who's never cooked in a day you know a day in their life showing you and and then people are watching this person who really doesn't know and i said well let maybe somebody with a thought maybe somebody really knows how to make an omelet should show how to make an omelet and you can get some real information there so i i feel like okay well i can be you know somebody who's showing how to do things and and the real way and what you what you're showing are generally simple things. They're not. Right. It's just it goes along with the one minute. You you can't show someone how to make anything complicated for dinner. In a minute, you're doing biscuits and pancakes and omelets, salad dressings and salads. Right. And uh, yes, we're showing the components, and then uh, mm-hmm, but some things you can make a dinner in a pot like a couscous 
I could show how to do a couscous. Eh, almost. Well, you will. We'll have to see. I haven't got there yet. I got ideas, which I want to talk to you about at some point. Okay. Um, so when you when you present the dish at the end of your videos to Bubby, are you thinking of Rob? I'm always thinking that. Uh, you know, or my grandkids are Bubby. All my are friends are Bubbies. My yeah. staff are Bubbies. It means baby doll, honey. Okay. So uh, anybody, it's endearing. Anybody I love are my Bubbies. I love the fact that you found a format and you're sticking with it, and uh, <laughs> and it's all you. So I appreciate it. Listen, I know you're busy, and this was as about as impromptu as this podcast uh, has ever had. It's never happened. I think it, uh, maybe in the same day. But thank you so much for agreeing to do this today. And um, I haven't seen you in a while. My son, here's uh, I have a question for you. My son. I think it was my last birthday. I don't remember when it was. Got me a Mother's Bistro gift card. How do you feel about accepting those? I'm in, a, I'm in this weird time where I was like, I don't want to bring Oh, my gosh. Card. Please use them. Use them. They've been paid for. Okay. You should use them. We have so many. We just had to. We just kind of rode off. So many gift certificates that we've held on since 2005. People never, and 15, we just wrote them off up to 15 because we've held on that long hoping somebody will redeem their gift certificate. So redeem, redeem. I know, but it's not a time. Everybody in the pandemic was saying, buy the gift certificates, but don't use them to help the restaurants Uh, out. Do you know, I feel really, I don't feel comfortable acting like a charity. You know, I feel that we are a business and we need to conduct ourselves like a business and we need to run like a business. And um, so, no, you you use that card. Somebody paid for that card. It wasn't free. Okay. So, well, yes. I'll, I'll be in and use it and, and, and maybe I'll bring a group and use more than just right. the, the card. Well, listen, you conduct yourself not only like a wonderful business, but as a friend, always, without even having known me years ago, you were very gracious and have been, and your staff from day one, it kind of helped me move to Portland, was the, was the uh, hospitality that I received at starting at Mother's, and then, you know, went from there. So... Um, so thank you so much for everything and for coming on this podcast. I appreciate well, thank it. you for having me. I appreciate it. This is actually the fourth time if you do a search wow. for Lisa Schroeder, you're going to find four different episodes now. One where you hosted a few years ago. So I interviewed Lori Wolf. That's right. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're uh, an integral part of uh of our we're just about to celebrate we're just about to start or we're starting our 10th year we completed wow this is our 10th we started this when people didn't know what a podcast was so um you were at the forefront as i'm on the phone with you i'm checking specials for tonight okay (laughs) what's better tell last as we leave final Uh, parting shot what's the special tonight tonight we're serving a strawberry toasted almond and goat cheese salad with a poppy seed dressing a cod puttanesca with tomatoes kalamata olives garlic capers orzo pasta with spinach cream of turkey and vegetable soup a southwest mac and cheese and um chocolate pudding is our one of our many desserts so very nice good now, yeah I, I like to look at the specials and make sure there's no typos 
Yeah, well, people don't. It's, people tell me that no one cares about typos anymore, but I don't. I don't buy. Oh that. my gosh, I do. Yeah, no, I make an occasional one, but I just I, uh, the spelling nowadays on social media is to, just crazy. So, anyway, thank you for checking that, and thanks for uh, being with us. Just a quick, just as you mentioned, your specials for dinner tonight. Um, how 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 do you do at dinner? I think I do, as you said before, think of you as breakfast and lunch. And I've been there for dinner, but it's been a, it's been a while. It's pretty slow. We're um, Friday and Saturdays when there's events, when there's shows, when there's games, and when there's hotel guests, we do well. If the hotel vacancies are low, which I when I moved there, I had no idea that we could benefit from being in the hotel. And in hindsight, it was a great move from that perspective. But, um, you know, unless there's something happening downtown, we don't get a lot of people coming, making the trip. And Lisa, I've said this before. You obviously, I don't think you've listened, but what seemed like a genius idea years ago Vitaly opening his hotel restaurants um, and uh, David Machado having his hotel restaurants and then you doing your thing. You're like the last one standing uh, of the of the chef chefs. Um, even Jose Chesa made a terrible talk about bad timing. His his move was what? Uh, February of 2020 into that space. The, the but you're still standing and... Uh, it's great to see, and you're looking. You look fantastic. This is Thank not a. You. This is not. People can check you out at Mother's Bistro on Instagram. Correct. Uh, Mother's Bistro on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. Right. You look great, but you're all Thank dressed you. up. You're not in chef studs right now, so <laughs> you look even totally better. Coincidence. Oh well, it's a good thing. Even before you called me today, I was wearing this. So. Very nice. Well, I'm uh, all decked out, too. Well, nobody can see us anyway. I've got the face for radio. Well, I say the same thing, and (laughs) I also think it's incredible that my girlfriend uh, met me, saw me on television before she met me. So who would ever think that would be the case? Aw, come on now. (laughs) Be kind to yourself. Oh, I'm getting a little kinder and gentler as I get older, so... Um, thanks, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right